It's a privilege to be here at Valley Church. When I think of these speakers that you get to have here on Sunday morning, it's like it's a smorgasbord. Amen? You get to have some of the most best teaching and preaching and, and uh, multiple people here on the pastorship of the church. We so appreciate that. Well, this morning, um, you've heard Pastor Lynn say this. He had a message ready, and then the night before the Lord changes it all, here we go. We're going to be dealing with, as we're doing with the Wednesday nights right now, we're doing a series called Spirit Wars. And that means greater involvement and understanding of how to carry on spiritual warfare to achieve the ends of the king. Amen? So, here we go. The last time we were up here, we had a, a spoke on efficient Ephesians. And we talked a lot about the book of Ephesians and how that the church in Ephesus was facing a lot of the things that this church today, all the churches around the world are facing. So, today we're going to do something that is not so much preaching as it is teaching. And my apologies, my students here at Valley School of Supernatural Ministry tease me that well, usually when I speak on Sundays I have a handout. Well, I didn't have time to do a handout, but we'll have handouts Wednesday night for all of the, all of the details, okay? So come Wednesday night at 7 o'clock for the next uh, Spirit Wars and you'll have the handouts of, of this particular uh, message today. Praise God. Uh, by the way, I need to announce, because Tim didn't announce, uh, I'm going to be here an hour earlier next week. Will the rest of you be here an hour earlier next week? Daylight savings time. Oh, you guys are sharp. <laughs> Wanted to make sure that you knew that. So, the last uh, uh, time we chatted, we also wanted to mention that the church is growing, and we have a lot of new people here, and I want you to be aware that there is several activities here through the week that you can benefit from. And I want to put in a plug in today for Wednesday mornings at 10 o'clock. When we start talking about spirit wars, that means we need spiritual intercessors. And I just praise God for all of you that do come on Wednesday mornings, and I would like to encourage more of you to come on Wednesday mornings. Can I hear an amen? amen. Praise God. One of the reasons why I think we're, we have such a strong church here is the intercessory prayer that goes on on Wednesday mornings. And we thank you for, the, for being here, and, and we thank you for the leadership for that. So, just to review a little bit, uh, the last time we were together and we talked about efficient Ephesians, um, some of this I'm going to spend some time reading today. We try to train our students not to read sermons, but, th but uh, when the Lord started dealing with me about this yesterday, he said, it's time for the body to have an operational update. Operational system update. What is that? Well, when you are carrying on a battle, sometimes you go out to battle and you come back and you have to update the operation manual. Not that the enemy has changed that much, but perhaps the enemy has changed tactics. So you have to understand the tactics that the enemy is fighting with. So... We are in a, a spiritual battle in our nation, in our world, 
And lots of people would say, well, we've never seen anything like this before. But obviously, in the last 2,000 years, the church, the body of Christ, has gone through a great many trials, ups, downs, persecutions. Uh, I would like to mention that uh, some of our students have said, well, I'm glad we live in a country where we're not being persecuted. Can I correct that? We are beginning to see what I call a shadow of persecution towards Christians in our nation. And when we talk about persecution in the world, let's not forget that there is tremendous persecution going on in other nations. I don't know about you, but I, I take a magazine that's, that's about martyrs. And in the last issue, they reported that in Nigeria, Africa, in the last two years, there have been approximately 5,000 Christians martyred. So let that sink in. 5,000 Christians martyred just in one nation in Africa. So, as we look forward to today, and just look back a little bit on what we talked about from Ephesians, Ephesus was a town that was full of idolatry. It was full of false doctrines and had political and financial upheavals. And yet, in the midst of all that, the Lord raised up a church. And Paul wrote to that church in Ephesus. He also mentioned the Nicolaitans, which was a group of, that started out with the body of Christ, but then started creeping into distortions, false teachings. And in the book of Revelation, the Lord raises up Ephesus in chapter 2, and says, you know, I, I like you, I'm proud of you, but you've left your first love. In other words, make the first things first, and that's Jesus Christ. But he praised them for hating the Nicolaitans, which the Lord says he hates also. In other words, anyone who starts out with good faith and moves into false doctrines and false teachings and false theology and tries to bring people out of the church, the Lord hates that. So, I'm going to um, read a few scriptures today, and I want you to turn with me uh, as we go through these. First of all, Ecclesiastes 1.9. These are just four scriptures to set the stage for today's teaching. Ecclesiastes 1.9. There is nothing new under the sun here. That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Say that with me. There's nothing new under the sun. What is that saying? Spiritual warfare has been around since the very beginning. So why are we surprised when we are called to do spiritual warfare? It's been here for thousands of years, and the Lord is talking to us to do that. Be prepared to fight spiritual warfare. In other words, the Lord is saying today, let's upgrade our operations manual as we carry on this battle. Second is James 16.33. James 16.33. These things have I spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So you see what the Lord is saying there? You will have tribulation. But you will also be an overcomer because he's an overcomer. 
The next one is Ephesians 6.12 that I think you're all familiar with and this is one that we've been talking about on Wednesday night. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So once again, we wrestle not against flesh and blood but we wrestle against powers and principalities. And that's one of the things that I think the Lord really wants to get down in our soul today, that we're not battling against flesh and blood. We're going to concentrate today on the spiritual things. And then finally from Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold fast our confession. Everybody say confession. Once again, confession. We have a confession. That's our testimony. That Jesus is Lord. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as are we, and yet without sin. He, He is our intercessor. Verse 16. Let us therefore... Come boldly, say come boldly, to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Now, today, that's exactly what we need to do. We need to come boldly to before the throne of grace. Heavenly Father, I just thank you and praise you for this opportunity to share your word, to bring life and light to your people, to your congregation. To remind us, Lord, that we need to update our operation manual, our spiritual war manual, as we compete and fight and war and win over the enemy of our souls. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So now we're going to move away from Ephesians to the story of Esther. If you have Bibles, you may want to just turn to Esther. We're going to see a few things there. When I was praying yesterday and the Lord was saying, Uh, you're going to speak about upgrading your operation manual in spiritual warfare. The Lord reminded me that the book of Ephesians was great in the New Testament, but one of the best examples of spiritual warfare in the Old Testament is the book of Esther, the story of Hadassah. Her name was Hadassah. The Greek version of that was Esther. So this is a very historical season that we're in. Uh, Again, We've never had anything quite like this, but we've had a lot of things in the history of the world very much like this occasion of the historical season that we're in. So, just uh, two weeks ago, uh, February, I believe it was 26th and 27th, I'm looking around to see if Joy is here. I don't see her, but 26th and 27th of February was the celebration of Purim. What is Purim? Purim is the story of Esther and what the Hebrews, Hebrew people went through at that time. So there are a few characters in the story of the Purim of Esther. Let's just review them very quickly. First of all, this story probably took place somewhere between 470 and 480 BC. Uh, Israel had been judged and taken into captivity and the king of, of that captivity uh, in, in that area of the world, was called King Ahasuerus. 
Some people called him Xerxes I. He ruled from India to Ethiopia, a very large area. And he reigned with many people under him who helped him control that. And he needed a body of governors that would help him do that. And one of the nations that they had conquered was Israel. And there was a man from Israel that came up within his organization. His name was Mordecai. Some people call him Mordecai. It's Mordecai. And Mordecai uh, was a man of God who believed very strongly that if I serve God, the Lord can direct me as to how to properly serve the king, even though he is not a Hebrew. Are you following me here? So there are times where God will actually raise up someone in his kingdom to serve the government of that time. It's very important for us to understand that. And Mordecai was that person, and he, he, he was quite a guy. But he had a niece who was orphaned. And what was her name? Hadassah. Now, when we read the story of Esther, or Hadassah, she was obviously an orphan Jewish girl, we don't know anything about her background, her education. But one thing that the Bible says, that she was a woman of great beauty. And we'll find out more that it was not just beautiful on the outside. She was very beautiful on the inside. And then in this story, there is also, besides uh, Hasarius and Hadassah and Mordecai, there was a fourth character. Does anybody know who it was? Haman. Oh, I can tell you've been to Sunday school. Haman, he was a descendant of King Agag. You almost have to choke when you say Agag. He was a descendant of King Agag, and uh, he was not a very nice man. In fact, he was very proud. He felt that he was, you know, next to the king, and... Uh, <clears throat> He expected that when he came through the crowds of the city, that everyone would bow to him. Except one day it didn't happen. One day he was going through the city, and this guy Mordecai, when the trumpets blew, didn't bow to him because Mordecai was a Hebrew who would only bow to king, the king of kings and the lord of lords, the god of the Hebrews. Now, who do these people represent? Well, obviously, uh, Ahasuerus represents the worldly government system that's in power. Hadassah represents the bride who has made herself ready, according to Revelation 19.7. Uh, Mordecai represents godly mentors in our lives. And we pray that everybody has a godly mentor that's speaking into your life. And Haman obviously represents those who are under the influence of evil powers and principalities. So now let's move into the story. Why Purim is still important to us today, and what has it got to do about our spiritual warfare today? Okay, there are some things that I'm going to read word for word, because in my research yesterday, uh, I found out that, that the Lord is dealing with a lot of churches and pastors around the nation on this very subject. And I wrote down some of the things that, that have been preached in recent weeks in other churches. And we, those of you that are watching online, praise God that there are a lot of pastors that are listening and plugging in to what God is saying today. 
As the world continues to decline in what often feels like moral and ethical darkness, Christians struggle to know whether to fight or flee, to engage or to ignore the cultural battle that infiltrates many aspects of everyday life, from such things as abortion laws to religious liberties and beyond. Can anyone affirm that that's what we're facing today? Okay. We are inundated, inundated with messages on a daily basis about what we need to find success or earn more money or to have better health and how we should live our religious and political lives. In other words, the enemy that is coming against us would like to dictate our freedoms or lack of freedoms so that he would be in greater control. So, here we go. I'm going to list you seven we're going to go through seven things right now. Seven lessons from Esther in fighting spirit war. And again, my apologies, we don't have a handout, but I see that a lot of you have bulletins. You can be taking notes of these seven things. And then come again on Wednesday nights and you'll get a whole handout. Number one, here we go. God uses ordinary people to do ordinary, extraordinary things. Can I hear an amen to that? I want you to look around. You know, the Bible says we're a peculiar people. I want you to look around and look at your neighbor and say, you are extraordinary. <laughs> Along with that being extraordinary, the other thing is our past does not dictate our future. Praise God. Again, look around. There's a whole lot of stuff buried behind this congregation, right? Because you've been set free. And then the third thing I want to say in this whole section, this first section is, our true beauty comes from within. Okay, now this is the one that I thought I might get some kickback on, but you need to turn to your neighbor and say, you're beautiful. That was hard for some of you, right? You are the bride of Christ and you're beautiful. So, God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Our past does not dictate our future and our true beauty comes from within. The thing that I really have appreciated about my years of study about Hadassah, her humble spirit her humble spirit is what's shown through. Don't you just love people that are humble and meek? Now, one of the things that we teach uh, is that we are called to be humble and meek. And I think a lot of people have the wrong definition of meek. I think one of the best definitions of someone who is meek is a fireman who runs into a burning building to save someone. And you go, that's meek? That to me is humble and meek. Someone who is willing to sacrifice their own life for the safety and welfare of someone else. That takes a meek spirit. And somebody who's really plugged in that the Lord will make a way where there seems to be no way. Anyway, she had a humble spirit which shone through. And uh, there was the man who 
controlled, who worked for the king, who was over all of the ladies uh, in the king's chambers. And his, he was a eunuch. His name was Haggai. And he must have also had a meek, humble spirit. But he is the one that noticed right away that this young girl, I'm not sure he knew that she was a Hebrew at the beginning, but this young girl had very special talents. And that was that she was meek, she was mild, she was humble. And what he noticed is that wherever she went, people noticed her because of her good spirit. Did you know sometimes people, even though you don't have a chance to speak to them verbally, they just automatically know, well, you must be a Christian. Because of that meek, mild spirit that people are automatically drawn to. So, praise God. So, Haggai, uh, he mentored her as to how best to please the king. And she went through at least six months to a year of preparation before you could be in the presence of the king. And that's a whole other Bible study that we'll do some other time. But what happened many times was when somebody was prepared to go in to meet the king, they had their choice of all the jewels. Can you imagine that, Pastor Renee? <laughs> oh. And all the other ladies in the audience. <laughs> that here was this huge room full of jewels. And, you know, you could go in there, and before you went to, to be with the king, you could pick out, you know, whatever jewel you wanted, and, uh, you know, wear that in to meet the king. And if the king did not accept you as his queen, chances are you could maybe keep that jewel. And uh, I can imagine some people just walking on the, the, the chains and the pearls and, and just being absolutely ugly by the time, you know, being so laden down with jewels that as you walk into the king, you have to waddle. But anyway, what was the difference with Esther? Well, as we read the story of Esther... Uh, Haggai had prepared her not to take a bunch of jewels. Now here is the byline. For she was a jewel inside. He had prepared her. She had mentoring. He had prepared her. I know what the king likes. The king likes humility, purity, no gaudiness, and an inner sweet personality that everyone is drawn to. Well, it worked. Because when she met the king, he fell in love with her and married her. So, she was mentored by Haggai, and she was also mentored by Mordecai to be who she was. Again, of no particular birth, no particular origin, but a right spirit. And that's why today we need to emulate, in this spirit warfare, we need to emulate the heart of Hadassah, that she had a right spirit. And that's why King David said, create in me a clean heart and create in me a right spirit, O Lord. Okay? So, that was the first one. Here we go. Number two. Body ministry works. That's number two. Body ministry works. When Haman planned to exterminate the Jews, when that, when that came to light, Esther called on Mordecai to have all the Jews fast and pray. That's a body ministry. 
the body of believers, the Hebrews, they were called together to pray and fast because Haman had tricked the king into coming up with a law that says, all the Jews are bad. We need to get rid of the Jews. We need to get rid of the Hebrews. By the way, the first time anyone in the Old Testament was called a Jew was when Haman spoke of Mordecai. And and Haman was so mad at Mordecai that he was willing to destroy everyone who was a Hebrew. So he obviously tricked the king into saying, okay, it's time to have a law that all Christians are not worthy to stand on the face of the earth. Does that sound kind of familiar? You know, we've heard anything like that today that Christians aren't worthy and we shouldn't have anything to do with them. Uh, By the way, Wednesday night, I'm going to be talking about a certain congressman and a statement that he made this last week, but I won't get into that today, which was very, very concerning. So, body ministry raises our faith and dispels our fears. With God's help, we can step out in faith and fight our fears. And that's one reason why I love Wednesday morning so much. I mean, I've heard testimony after testimony after testimony of people who've come to Wednesday morning prayer meetings and say, wow, whew, I went in there having burdens and I come out wanting to dance. I've also heard people talk about that on Monday nights for our healing rooms. I came in burdened and I left and I wanted to sing a song. In fact, I've heard Donna say that some of the people when they come out of the prayer rooms are singing songs, songs of freedom. Praise God. I might also mention that we also have another ministry here at Valley Church called Breakthrough Ministry, Inner Healing Ministry. And we've seen a lot of people go in laden with burdens and come out completely set free. And you can make those appointments, uh, I believe, by calling the church office. Uh, Bethany, why don't you stand up and let everybody see who you are. This is Bethany Morris, who works in the office. Oh, wait a minute, stand up. Did anybody tell you you're beautiful? Did somebody tell you that you're beautiful? Okay, all right. So call Bethany and she'll arrange for you to, if you need to have an inner healing session, praise God. So, those of you taking notes, three things in body ministry. Our prayers matter. Our prayers matter. Praying makes a difference. Did you know that in Revelations it mentions the fact that there is this huge like bull in front of the throne of God, and it's full of what? Our prayers, the prayers of the saints. And guess what? Those prayers never die. So when you pray and intercede, those prayers go up before the throne and they never die. They're continuing there today. Second thing, besides our prayers matter, our voice matters. Our voice matters. We need to raise our voices in our society and culture today. I am so sorry if there are churches and pastors and ministers of the faith that feel like they cannot speak up 
Now is the time to speak up. Now is the time. Now is the time for our voices to be heard. And we're going to define that a little bit more, what that means to be heard. The third thing is, our actions matter. So our prayers matter, our voice matters, our actions matter. You know, Jesus spent a lot of time teaching his disciples that the number one thing I want you to be doing is to love your neighbor. You know, I want you to love me, but I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. So our actions matter. So could it be in this world of chaos and weird thinking and what I call a total lack of horse sense, you can tell I was, you know, I was raised horses. Okay, a total lack of common sense, is that better? I think a horse has more sense than, okay. All right, Pastor Rich, don't go there. <clears throat> but anyway, Mordecai knew that he, his prayers mattered, his voice mattered, and our actions mattered. And he taught her that God is a deliverer. And I'm sure she heard many uh, Old Testament stories about how God delivered. So Mordecai knew that his, his uh, voice mattered, and he knew that God would provide. Because in, in Esther 4.14, well, you don't have to put this up, Linda, but it says, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. So that Mordecai knew that he knew that he knew that he knew that he knew. By the way, do you know, don't put that in your notes. But I want you to learn how to say that. Because sometimes our faith is when we know that 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 we know. Don't say that three times real fast. You'll get tongue-tied. But we do know that we know. And that's the way he was. And he knew that the corporate prayer would work. The intercessory team would work. Now, I'm going to repeat a prayer that I found yesterday that is so powerful that I want to say it here and probably repeat it at the end of the message today. But I want you to just close your eyes and listen to this prayer. May God help us to be willing to pray. May God help us to be willing to fast. May God help us to be willing to wait for his direction. May God help us then to act on the wisdom that God provides. Continuing this prayer, may we be ever faithful to pray for all of those in authority, for those who need someone to speak up on their behalf, for those who are being pressed down or persecuted. May we be brave to speak with wisdom and discernment and to live these days with hearts of compassion and love. May we be strong to follow God's voice, even when it's not the most popular choice in our culture. Can anyone say amen to that? Amen. Number three, for those that are taking notes, number three, God will give us courage and strength. <clears throat> God will give us courage and strength to do what he asks us to do. God will give us courage and strength to do what he asks us to do. So, when you read the story of Esther, and I've enjoyed reading it from various versions of the Bible, and uh, an acquaintance of ours, 
Tommy Tinney wrote a book called Hadassah, One Night with a King. It's a fictional book, but it helps give you an impression of what she went through. And uh, if you've never read that, it might be of interest to you. Uh, anyway, this story is filled with confusion and darkness and manipulation and often despair. By the way, that word manipulation, that's one of the things we really need to be praying about today because there are people like Haman that are trying to manipulate Christians into thinking other things, okay? So, <clears throat> so Esther drew courage and strength from fasting and praying and trusting in body ministry. She was willing to offer her life for those of her fellow Jews. <coughs> she believed in supernatural anointing and protection from Almighty. And she believed that God would save her nation. She believed that God would fight the battle that was before her. Now, one thing that I want to add to this is, uh, oftentimes God places us in positions of influence or in a strategic location with great purpose in mind. Sometimes the places that we find ourselves in is not really all about us. It's about lifting him up. It's about God's bigger plan. Uh, and I'll just use one quick illustration. Uh, there were several years that I served the state of Idaho in official capacity, and a new state superintendent of education was voted in. And about the third day, uh, since I was on the... Um, uh, board of directors for, for that organization, the, the council. She called me into her office and she said, I've got a question for you. I'm not sure there's anyone else of the 127 people that are serving under me, but somebody has told me that you can tell me where do I find the Ten Commandments? Because I really believe that the Ten Commandments should be in every school in the state of Idaho. See, sometimes we're given strategic positions and situations where we can be influenced. Okay, we got to go to number four. Time is going quickly. Number four, God's timing, God's timing is perfect. You know, we can run ahead. Hello, Abraham and Sarah. Sometimes we can get behind. You know, there are people that say, some people watch what happens. And then some people say, what happened? We want to, you've got to remember that God's timing is perfect. He tells us in Matthew 10, 16b, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. He says, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So as we carry on this spiritual battle today, we need to be exactly that. We need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Um, Rick and Lisa are with us today. Where are you, Rick and Lisa? I saw you somewhere right here. Uh, loved getting to hang with these wonderful godly people this week. But one of the things that Rick told me a story that just absolutely amazed me. He said that on, was it on top of your barn, on top of your house, a hawk landed and a dove landed and they kind of looked at each other. Are you sure? You know, the Bible talks about the day is coming when the lion's going to lay down with the lamb. So to me, that was a sign that, you know, God is in charge. 
But we need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That's that beautiful spirit that she showed. So when Esther learned of Haman's plan to massacre the Jews, listen carefully. She didn't instantly jump up and run to the king. Why didn't, why, why didn't she do that? Does anybody know? You remember the story? If you went into the presence of the king without him summoning you, even if you're the queen, off with your head. But rather she prayed and fasted and waiting for God to prompt her on when to approach the king and how to do it. Did you know that when we pray and fast, we ask the Lord, we're going to be fighting a spiritual battle. Please, as you showed with Esther, prompt us the proper approach and the proper timing. Now, notice this. If Esther had gone to the king, she could have been killed because she didn't, uh, you know, she wasn't summoned to the court. Instead, Esther took her problems to a higher power. She fasted for three days and asked Mordecai and asked all the Jews, you know, body ministry. Now, while Esther was waiting and the Mordecai was telling the Jews to pray, God was keeping a certain king up at night and pointed to him to read the book of the kingdom. That was King Ahasuerus. Suddenly, he can't sleep. And what's going on? I can't sleep. Hey, bring me the records of what's happened in the kingdom in the last year or two. And when they did, he read the story that Mordecai had warned the king that there were people that were going to assassinate him. But the king had never rewarded Mordecai. So, if Esther had immediately approached the king when she heard of the plan to kill the Jews, the king would not have had the opportunity to read the book and be reminded of Mordecai's good savings, good deed, saving his life. This in turn opened the door for Mordecai to be honored and put up even higher in the kingdom, and Esther to ask the king to save the lives of the Jews. Interesting. God's timing. Number five, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Um, I have uh, in the audience today, Cassie, Cassie Hardy. We love Cassie. Uh, she heard me say one day in, in school of ministry that uh, I was doing a wedding and, and it was in the midst of all the COVID stuff and, and uh, somebody came to me uh, before the wedding and they knew I was concerned about doing this wedding in the midst of, of COVID and there was hundreds of guests there and, and a cousin or a nephew came up and said, uh, Pastor Rich, remember that God is large and in charge. And our dear Cassie picked up on that and made me a cup that's on my desk at home that says, God is large and in charge. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Cassie, you could probably make a mint if you sold those cups. That's not a prophetic word, just a suggestion. So God is sovereign. Sovereign God is large and in charge. God is the only one who has the power to turn trials into blessings. Now I want you to think right now as you sit here in the kingdom of God as children of the Most High God, can you think of a time where you were faced with an impossible situation and the Lord turned it around and made it a blessing? I think we should see a show of hands. How many? Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Is God large and in charge? Is God sovereign? Is God able to take things that 
are not of God and turn them around to his glory, to his presence. Okay. Uh, there is a pastor here at Valley Church that has a famous saying because he says it all the time. God knows who you are. God knows where you're at. And God knows what you have need of. That's a good word, Pastor Rich. I wonder who says that. That's a good word. Thank you, Dave. Nothing is too difficult for God. Nothing is impossible to God. You know, maybe you have been told by the enemy that no one understands me. I'm in pain because nobody understands me. Nobody listens to me. God does. Give him an opportunity. He'll listen to you. And he'll answer you. And he'll bring about miracles in your life. Number six. Number six. God is able to bring great favor and blessing on our lives. God is able to bring great favor and blessings on our lives, even in hard times. Now, this is, if he, this is Esther 5, 1 through 3. <clears throat> the moment that Esther entered the king's palace, she was given extra protection and favor. And, you know, she won favor of those around her. And that's one of the things that really influenced the king. And I think that's probably one of the greatest reasons why the king was so quick to, to accept her as his queen. But Esther 5 verses 1 through 3 says this. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes. Now, she's been named the queen. She's living in the palace. She knows that Haman has, has put out this edict that all Jews will be killed. And she knows that Mordecai is having everybody pray for her. And she knows that the timing is right, that after a few days, she's going to go make herself available in the presence of the king, knowing that if he doesn't accept her, she's dead. So, reading here from Esther 5, verses 1 through 3. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes, and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Then the king asked, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to the half of the kingdom, it will be given to you. That was because of the great favor that she had before the king. Number seven, and the last one, number seven, this is the seventh lesson that we learned from Esther about spiritual warfare. Here we go. Loving others is the greatest force on earth. Loving others is the greatest force on earth and will make an impact on generations to come. Loving others is the greatest force on earth and will make an impact on generations to come. You know, we're, we're sitting in a beautiful edifice here who will have an effect on many generations to come should the Lord tarry. The work that this wonderful couple, Norman and Ruby Rutzen, put into this congregation and this facility will bless many, many generations. 
So Esther knew in her heart that when this is done, I'll go to the king. And even though it's against the law, she says, if I perish, I perish. Her love was so great that she was willing to sacrifice herself to save her people. And I doubt that she realized that what she was doing would impact hundreds of generations to come. Now, Mordecai told her that, you know, if you don't do it, the Lord will raise up someone who will, but your family will be gone. There'll be no more generations after you. But because of her act of obedience, hundreds and hundreds of generations have been impacted since. So, you got those seven things? I'm going to go through them real quickly once again for those of you that were trying to write them down. Number one, God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Our past does not dictate our future. Our true beauty comes from within. Number two, body ministry works. Look around. Body ministry works. Number three, God will give us the courage and strength to do what he asks us to do. Number four, God's timing is perfect. Number five, God is sovereign. Number six, loving others is the greatest force on earth and will impact generations. And number seven, God is able to bring great favor and blessing on our lives, even in hard places. Usually some young man steps through the door about now. That prayer that I prayed a while ago, I want to pray it again as we wrap things up here. There he is. I'm going to read this prayer once again that I read a little while ago. And while Jared begins to play, I want you to again just stay right where you are and listen to these words. And say, Lord, here am I, use me. I thank you, Lord, for these tools from the story of Esther that we can use in spiritual warfare. But Lord, most of all, help me to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Let me love my neighbors myself. May my prayers come up to be ever present before the throne of God as a memorial. Lord, to the calling that you have in my life, that I will be humble, that I will be bold, that I will be anointed, that I will impact my culture through my words, my actions. Lord Jesus, hear my prayer today. Use me as you desire to use me in this day and here's this prayer may God help us to be willing to pray to fast to wait for his direction and then act on the wisdom he provides may we be ever faithful to pray for all of those in authority Say that again. May we be ever faithful to pray for all of those in authority. For those who need someone to speak up on their behalf. For those who are being pressed down or persecuted. 
May we be brave to speak with wisdom and discernment and to live these days with hearts of compassion and love. May we be strong to follow God's voice even when it's not the most popular choice in our culture. Lord, hear our prayers. If you'd stand together with us, the prayer team would come. sense very strongly in the spirit that the Lord is moving on some people's hearts. The Lord is very concerned about our spirit because the stronger our spirit man, the more our spirit man ministers to our soulish realm of our mind, our will, and our emotions. And right now the enemy is just inundating us with media trying to get us emotionally stirred up or to change our minds into thinking that it's not godly and to change our will. So today there are people here that are ready to pray with you if there's some particular need that you have. If God is talking to you from this message today, from this teaching, Lord, give me strength, give me boldness, give me greater peace then that's what we want you to do. Come and pray and kneel at the altar, if you will, or if you want somebody to pray with you. Other than that, I thank the ushers for keeping their doors shut so you're not smelling all that food. All right, let's raise our hands together and give him thanks and praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for revelation knowledge. Thank you, Jesus, for truth. Thank you, Lord, for biblical examples. Thank you, Lord, for the tools that we can have in our pockets, in our souls, in our spirit realm, that we can fight the good fight of faith in this, the evil day. Lord, we pray for everyone here, for the families that are not here, and for families that are represented here today. May the angels go forth and minister them now in the name of Jesus. And with that, we say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. God bless you.